Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. This is the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. What follows is the service from January 2nd, 2022. Thank you and God bless. Thank you most of all for Jesus. We are 
extol the Lord of Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion. He strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his tail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the waters flow. He has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Almighty God, it's good for us to be together today. Thank you for bringing us here and for the safety that you've afforded so many of us who have been out traveling. Um, and we pray that you will continue to bless those who are at home and who are on their way back to us. Lord, as we approach a new year with new possibilities, um, it's a time where our society looks around at ways to, to make improvements and we're mindful of all of our shortcomings um, before you and before the world. Um, we long to exert control where we can um, in order to make our lives better, but you, as the psalmist says, control the things that we cannot control. We come to you with gratitude for the ways that you provide for us, and we believe that your word brings healing. Lord, as we enter into this time in our society where illness is still around, um, we just pray for wellness for our community. We rejoice with Alley Church and her baptism. We pray for the healing of bodies and minds in our community. We pray for those who are on our sick list, Christy Wagner, Jane Spidey, Chuck Hickman, Nancy, Shelley, Aiken, Brett, Skyler, Ann Lee, and Debbie Clark. And I pray as we enter into the, the next portion of our worship that we send for our minds, around you and around your goodness. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Jackie is sick this week, so uh, Ryan Sullenberger has graciously offered to uh, take the sermon. Um, so thank you, Ryan. But a couple of things before he comes. Um, Jackie mentioned it in our prayer, but we're very excited to, to announce that Alley Church was baptized on Friday morning. Um, we're thankful and excited for you and your family, Alley. And as the Ackland tradition is, we offer two, two books um, as you begin this journey. One is the, the 40 days, first 40 days, which is uh, a compilation that Ryan put together, um, meditation thoughts and things to think through. Um, as you begin your Christian walk. And then the Living Jesus book, which historically we've, we've invited folks to pick a mentor in the congregation to read through. Um, I know you don't love everyone looking at you, but we're very proud of you. Um, but I want to offer these to you and just uh, tell you how proud we are of you. Last day before um, Ryan comes, we want to ask Sabrina 
for a second. Sabrina has been uh, affiliated with OpenTable for some time. Um, Lindsey Prinks that we have supported for years at OpenTable. And OpenTable is our active partner for the month. So we just want to begin a, a, a tradition of kind of highlighting those Ackman partners and have someone who's associated to kind of come and talk a little bit about it. We've got some new members who may not be familiar. So Sabrina, if you would. groups like Lumen and other groups in the city. 
do have a place to go. Um, they, like I said, do partnerships with other groups in the community. They continue in the midst of their like one-to-one -one outreach. Um, they also really do a lot of advocacy and mobilizing with everything from the Metro Council and MDHA on to the governor. And um, one of the things I really appreciate about their work is they don't say, we are a voice for people who are homeless. It's they pass the microphone. Like that is what they are about, is they really journey along people, alongside the people who are unhoused. And then finally, I would say, um, although I have to talk for a long time about the organization, one of the things that um, they do is when people die who are unhoused and who maybe have been isolated from people, from maybe a lot of their, their family, but they make sure that people receive a burial and have a service. And um, the first time I got to attend one of those, I don't know, that hit me in a whole different way. They also have a memorial service each year. It's usually the last Saturday in December, or like the last Saturday before Christmas. They have a memorial service each year to remember the people who have died while waiting for housing. And if I remember correctly, I was trying to look it up right before Paul called me up, but if I remember correctly, in 2021, it was 194 people. And so, um, it's a great organization to support. If you do social media and you don't follow them, I encourage you to follow them on social media. Just recently, they posted a, um, like on New Year's Eve, they posted, we are super low on the following items, tents, heaters, sleeping bags, flashlights, deodorant. And so JP sent a link to their Amazon wishlist. You can also organize a supply drive at your work or school. Um, we've done that here at church as well, um, and if you want to do organizing a drive, I can help you get started with that. But you can also use the Amazon link. Um, and I think I'm going to make myself stop talking now, but um, I'm so excited that our church partners with different groups, and I love that we kick off the month the year with both of you.
and um, uh, the, the first Sunday of the new year. So thank you for uh, bearing with me. So it's been around two years that the first cases of COVID were showing up in China. Backtracking those two years, I remember the trickle of news that was coming out about this certain virus in China, and we were waiting to see what was going to happen, what would the, what would the trajectory have been, was it going to come over here. And one day in the car pickup line for our youngest daughter, Avila, uh, we were waiting, I, I was waiting to pick her up, and she gets in the van. Her first question is always, what is for supper? <laughs> I, and I would always anticipate that, uh, and it, you know, it warmed my heart that she was interested in eating. But after that particular day, after she asked this question, then she talks about her day. She usually is unpacking that as we are driving away. She said, Dad, there's this girl in my class. And we were, she was on her computer, and she was talking to me, and she said, like, there's this virus, there's this coronavirus over in China that's gonna shut the world down. And I was like, I'm sorry to hear that, baby. I hope your friend is okay. Surely not, okay? Surely this is not gonna happen. We might see something like the last SARS virus that was alive for a while and went away, but we're gonna make it. Two years later, here we are. Her little friend was apparently a prophet, um, but, uh, just an amazing amount of change and then our response to this trying to gather and hold on to some measure of control uh, in this loss of power. And as we read our text this morning, especially the Jeremiah text uh, that we've heard Justin read from Jeremiah 31, I'm continually reminded of my inability to understand these kinds of experiences. That is the exile that Israel was under. It is a message of hope that as God is assuring Israel that he's going to bring them back to a home after horrific exile. And even though the last two years that we have had under COVID have been difficult, I, I sometimes feel like they've been about a decade long, I still think this can't approach the, uh, the level of real political exile known by Israel, which was a 45-year-long exile in which you had one group of people that was separated from their homeland, they were walked to this other land, living as a servant class in a foreign land. The other half of the people was in Jerusalem, in Palestine, living as a subsistence level community, an agricultural community, in the ruins of a once prosperous land. So a divided people in two different places, a very hard situation. And it's no accident that this passage in Je Jeremiah 31 is dripping with the language of hospitality and of generosity and bounty. So some lines from this text here, they are being gathered home from other places, from the north and from foreign lands. Uh, the blind and the lame are also with them, so God is gathering with them those who are weak and those who are marginalized. And then it goes into this section that almost is coming out word for word from Psalm 23. It's this great pastoral image here, leading them by brooks of waters, that is, is kind of familiar of the phrases in uh, Psalm 23, leading them on a straight path, is kind of a metaphor for the law, he will keep them like a shepherd, 
Okay, again, we're calling that, uh, that pastoral imagery there. They will sing in Jerusalem. They will be surprised by food and wine and flocks that God provides. They will be comforted in sorrow. And the joy that they're experiencing is of going back to a familiar place, which has changed. Okay? It's changed dramatically, but yet there is this hope of being reunited and of, and of returning to a place that they have some amount of familiar reference to with the help of God. It could be for us an image of Christmas, uh, one of the images of Christmas in which God is sending us from what is alien to what is familiar. Uh, a time for us to seek, uh, for us to gather with the familiar, not just to escape hard moments, but as a time in which we can hope to find uh, moments in which the divine life is refreshed in us. So we take long trips to see family. We just got back from a long trip from Texas. Really uh, deep rest there, uh, lots of silence. Uh, we closely guard time with our friends uh, to see them. We take walks. Uh, we reflect on the silences that emerge uh, in the absence of work. And that return to the familiar uh, in the language of Jeremiah 31 is also an act of hope, not just of refreshment, but of hope. That we will be prepared for the coming of Christ that we hear in Advent. That we have lived in such a way as to find Christ familiar. So familiarity is one side of the Christmas cycle that we experience here. The other side of this is the alien of the strange, which we're going to see here in John 1. So John's accounts of Jesus opens up here with language that is universally familiar in the biblical story. In the beginning, okay, it is recalling, is directly recalling the language from Genesis 1, the opening lines here. Early Jewish hearers of John's gospel would have made immediate connections, like most of us do, to the creation narrative. So we see the comparisons that John is drawing between the creation of the world and the divine existence of Christ. But what really strikes me is the way that John is painting a kind of contrast between these two narratives. The first few verses of Genesis 1 go like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was a formless void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. This is a huge moment in the text, okay? Is the first time God speaks. That first word of God is the light piercing the darkness that is shaping this chaos into an ordered world. And it has to be the first word that comes before the other words in the creation narrative. That is the other words of making and forming and creating to make this world. So if you'll pardon me for a minute, I'm going to geek out with classical music here. Uh, for those of you who know me, uh, you know that I love classical music. I love listening to it at insane volume levels. My girls can tell you this. They have several stories they can share with you recently of coming to the house and finding me just blazing music and having to get my attention in other ways. But one of the, one of the pieces that I enjoy is a piece by Haydn, and it's called Creation. And it is literally a piece of music that is a musical uh, reproduction or presentation of the creation narrative in Genesis 1. So it's this Baroque symphony, 
uh, with uh, we have the orchestra, we have a chorus. It's a large scale performance, and it's all in German. Okay, so if you can imagine all of the guttural sounds of the German uh, in the presentation of this, this music. So the first movement opens. It's quiet. It's serene. Uh, the, the orchestra is playing, and the, the, the chorus is gently singing the opening phrases of Genesis 1. This is in German, which starts like this. Am Anfang schuf Gott Himmel und Erde. So if you can imagine that wonderful language being sung uh, by the choir. And it all continues very quietly until we get to this phrase, which is, And God said, let there be light. Okay, and so... It's, they're singing, they're singing, they're singing. But when they get to the word light, which is Licht in German, it's Licht, okay? All right? It's this explosion of sound that raises the volume level, and it is a chord that is sustained on this single word of the creation. That is to say, the presence of God has entered, and the world is going to be formed by this light. Uh, it's, it's a tremendously dramatic moment. And it captures this sense in Genesis 1 of the cosmic light that is God's intervention in the world to form it into what is good. And the light there is this. It is a, the teaching and the direction of God, the guidance of God. We could, we could also say Torah. Okay? It is the instruction of God going into the world. We usually think of that in terms of teaching humans, okay? Torah as the law of God, teaching humans how to live, okay? how to love each other and how to love God. But in the creation, it is also the instruction of God that is shaping the cosmos, the entire universe, okay? Uh, so we have Torah for the, the cosmos and Torah for people as well, the entire created order that is coming together under God's instruction. And it's a light that, that comes to stay. Now, let's fast forward to John's opening reading. If you would stand with me, please. We're going to read this section of John 1. And we will read together the bold sections here. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now together. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Thank you. 
The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke of when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of His fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. The word of the Lord. So as we saw in Genesis, God's light enters, enters the world. John is now describing the entrance of God's light again in creative terms. Part of his message, so he has two things he wants to say here. One is to claim about Christ's divine status. That is to say that Jesus was divine before he was born. This is the pre-existence of Jesus back to the creation. The second thing John wants to say here is to talk about the appearance of light into the world. And the question that I think is important for us to ask, that the audience that heard it might have asked, is this. As beautiful as this is, why is Jesus' life cast in these terms? That is, if God's life so powerfully entered the world in the beginning, why are we seeing it again in this man? Why are we seeing it return? I think this is where Jeremiah 31, with the return of the exiles, will help us interpret this. Like the people who have gone, who were exiled and brought back to a home, the very life of God was exiled and is now returning. We usually understand Jewish exile in terms of God's expulsion of Israel and pushing Israel out of the land. But there's the other side of the covenant in which we see God's own isolation and pain, especially in the words of the prophets, that reveal a God who was also exiled from the hearts and the desires of his so Jesus, in this sense, is God's own return from exile. And as exciting as Jesus' entrance is into the world, the world that he comes to is yet resistant to his presence. It is kind of like an anticlimactic gut check for the entrance of Jesus. The incarnation is not a clean entrance. It is a hostile habitation, which is made clear in verses 5 through 13. So the world that Jesus comes to is not full of light, it is dark. The darkness that is in the presence of the light is an active threat to the light. Okay, this is in verse 5 that talks about the darkness not being able to overcome the light or to understand it. Verse 10 talks about the world that he comes to that did not know him, uh, a people that would not accept him. On the other hand, some do, and they become the children of God. And so God, John's gospel is full of the language of love. As we see the gospel proceed after this, John will talk about Jesus teaching his disciples to love one another, God's love for the world that he created. But John's use of world here, uh, he uses the word cosmos, but he uses it in a way to talk about human intentions and desires that are in conflict with God's intentions and desires. So it is a hostile, a hostile habitation here of the light in the world. 
that, and it is showing us the sense in which love, the love of God especially sometimes, comes to places where it is not welcome or wanted. The, the, the love, love coming to places that are unwelcome is something that I've seen in my own family. I'm sure you have seen it in your own families uh, in, in times and places. Uh, there have been some moments uh, in my own past, in our, in our family's past, in our friend's past, and I can see this. Um, adult siblings, for example, in my family um, that, have, that were together for a long time, two sisters trying to take care of a brother uh, that are now adults. And over a series of years, decades long, the brother has drifted and not maintained contact, didn't want to see them. His health begins to deteriorate. His mental health deteriorates even faster than his physical health is, is deteriorating. And those sisters are trying to find ways to help him, make sure he is fed, make sure he has the right place to stay. And over, over the years, as their relationship progresses, he is even more insistent that they stay away from him. And eventually it comes to the point where he locks himself in his house. There's another situation with another friend of ours, uh, another brother, who over time and um, really uneven behavior winds up on the street. And he's homeless. And a sister that will come around and see him here and there uh, in the town that they live in. She tries to make contact with him to maintain a relationship. He doesn't want to talk to her or to see her, uh, but the, the love that she has for him drives her to want to care for him. And even in the times when he's lashing out her in ways that are almost violent, it makes me think to myself, what is the purpose of this? But I think, but I, I recall then, she knows what the purpose of this is. That is, this is a love that is driving her to take care of her brother who is lost. He was walking away. And it's, and it's such a great deal of pain for both of them. Um, but even the reality of these situations, many of them ending quite tragically, it does not diminish for me the, the thought and the idea that uh, this persistent love, their, the persistent love of these sisters trying to take care of their brothers, is not going to be overcome by the brothers' resistance to this gestures of love and of welcome. And it is for me, I think, not unlike the way that the love of God and the light of God comes into places that are unwelcome. That is Jesus coming into the world that tells him, you are not welcome here and you don't belong. It is the word of God, it is the light of Christ entering a dark world. It is a hostile habitation. One of the main metaphors for Jesus, of course, is the light in John. And as the gospel moves on from the first chapter to the end of the book, it is really the story of a light that is, that is brightening and brilliance. It starts as this dim candle in the incarnation. And through his ministry, uh, it, it grows in, in power until the end of the gospel really is the white-hot heat of this light that is glowing in the glorification of God in Jesus' own suffering, his, the self-sacrifice of his life to glorify the Father. And it, it is the way in which John sees the world being illuminated. It, it is not God illuminating the world um, 
by dramatic acts of power, but by his son who was giving away his life. It is a persistent love in a dark world uh, in which the, the world is finally uh, brought to that light. And the irony of it all is that even with the resistance of the world, our own resistance to Christ, that that resistance is only increasing the candle power of Christ, his witness and his brightness in the world. So, we're in, the, we're in the season of Christmas. We are not to Lent yet. We are not to the Easter season where we, where we will see that bright, bright light appear. And I think in, in the season we are now, it is a reminder for us to try to be the little light. That is the small light that's entering the world. God's call for us to be uh, the little light that will grow into something that is more when we see Jesus suffer. It is the new year where people are making resolutions. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have not been one to make resolutions, uh, in, at least in recent years. There was a time that I did. This was probably uh, just after my college years, my early master's work, and I would make resolutions that were generally uh, modest. You know, I'm going to try to read my Bible through all the way in a year. I'm going to try to give more to church or the two uh, nonprofits that I believe in. I will try to see more of my friends. I'll try to read some books. Uh, I also had friends who had really ambitious resolutions lists that looked like bucket lists. Okay, We're going to travel the world. We're going to read 100 books. They're going to try to bench 300 pounds by the end of the year by going to the gym every day. I didn't see many people get to the 300-pound mark. But um, there was a lot of excitement around the new year uh, to be uh, prepared and to be changed by the end of the year. And uh, as I reflect this year, at least, the last couple of years with the conditions that we are in, um, I get less uh, interested in making resolutions. I understand my daughters are making faith resolutions. Uh, they've written these up. I haven't seen them. But... Um, uh, but I think it's another uh, kind of way for us to think about um, not being burned out. It's not being, not trying to be all the light of the world, but trying to be, trying to start small, to be that small light that enters the world uh, that is Christ uh, coming in to this place. So, we've talked this morning about the hospitality of God that is creating this world having us in it, taking the exiles home, the enders of Christ into the world. So we're going to talk this morning about Open Table uh, and about the wonderful way that this ministry is offering hospitality to Christ. That is, in the faces of those who are on the street who are experiencing homelessness, is a wonderful ministry of welcoming the presence of Christ in Nashville. We also have long relationships with Room the Inn, Salome Health, Nation's Ministry, Metro Schools, all of these things are ways that our church can offer hospitality to the presence of Christ, uh, to those who need a place that they can call familiar, that they can, that they can feel as a home. But another question here, which may be more difficult, is how are our spirits offering room to Christ to live and thrive? Given the uncertainty and the loss of control these past two years, the anxiety 
you may find this path to God frustrating and empty. As if in some moments you can't get through, no matter how much you sing, how much you pray, how much you read your Bible, how much you spend time with other people of faith. It may feel like an impenetrable darkness, a time when Christ's light just won't reach you. I will say and confess myself, as someone who loves music, again, I love music, the loss of congregational singing has been difficult for me uh, because of the way this is uh, a wonderful expression uh, in a community to sing. Uh, and uh, I have had ways to try to cope with that. Uh, several weeks ago, when Cosette was doing Tennessee Youth Symphony, and the many nights that I would spend in Overton High School's parking lot, okay? And I know Jackie and Amy were also kind of part of this cohort, waiting for their daughters, uh, practicing in symphony. But I was sitting in my van one, one evening, and as I was looking out of the parking lot, which if you haven't been there, it's painted as a practice marching band field. Okay, they have painted the hash marks or the lines, uh, the yard marks of the field. There's a podium in the center, which is kind of a, uh, a podium for the directors to direct the band. And I started flashing back to early memories of my band years in high school, which was my only curricular, extracurricular activity there in high school. But it was a time of great joy. I remember marching band, playing at football games, solo and ensemble. I remember special concerts and time with friends, special recordings of music that I used to listen to. And over the weeks that have followed, I've gone back to some of that music. And it's been a way for me uh, to reconnect with this kind of expression of worship that has been lost. So there's going to be ways that we have lost these kinds of, of avenues and connections with God's presence that we may have to find in indirect ways or unexpected ways that will come to us. So it may be that Christ's light, that Christ's presence does not come easily to you this season, and that Jesus doesn't feel familiar. You may have to open other doors to find it. Okay? And I think John's account of the incarnation here is right. That Christ's entry is a hostile habitation, and you may have to fight to find him. But our hope is that as God comes near, that we can be, as a community, the space where Christ's exile comes to an end. Can we be hospitable to it? Can we shelter it? Can we, with God's help, obey it? And if we can't, if we are limping and struggling and failing to be that familiar space, that hospitable space for Christ, can we at least be, for Jesus, a hostile home? Can we be to Christ a darkness that can be overcome?
This is Hebrews 2, starting in verse 10. It was appropriate for God, for whom and through whom everything exists, to use experiences of suffering to make perfect the pioneer of salvation. This salvation belongs to many sons and daughters whom he's leading to glory. This is because the one who makes people holy and the people who are being made holy all come from one source. That is why Jesus isn't ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he also shared the same things in the same way. He did this to destroy the one who holds the power over death, the devil, by dying. He set free those who were held in slavery their entire lives by their fear of death. Of course, he isn't trying to help the angels, but rather he is helping Abraham's descendants. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way. This was so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in things relating to God in order to wipe away the sins of the people. He's able to help those who are being tempted since he himself experienced suffering when he was tempted. There are a lot of spies in this church. Um, I, think, I think some would say too many. Um, we, we've asked those questions before. Uh, for me, it, it is a, a tremendous joy and challenge um, to go to church and to grow in faith with people who have known you for so long. Um, that's a really neat thing because that kind of extended relationship requires room to grow, to change, to mature, to challenge, to fail, to disappoint, uh, and to help in ways that shorter relationships don't. Um, one of my favorite things about the gospel story is the extension of family, is the extension of who our brothers and sisters um, specifically, that we fail in front of our brothers and sisters, and we are saved by our brother in Christ. Let's pray together. Holy God, we are, we are grateful for this bread and this wine and the ability to share them um, with you and with each other. We pray that they will strengthen us uh, and build us up this week so that we can... Um, we can be uh, you to the people around us to fulfill um, and provide strength for those who need it. Um, and so that we can help uh, and challenge each other to be closer to you. We pray this in your son's name.
pray again. Holy God, creator of all, we thank you for this wine that we share together. Um, we pray um, that, that you will use it to remind us of, of your sacrifice, the sacrifice that is required of us, and the assurance that we have that you have conquered death. Um, and, and give us hope for the life to come. Pray this in your son's name. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, 
in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's mystery, excuse me, God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached the fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we praise you this morning. We thank you for the gospel of our salvation. We thank you for this time to be together in a little light, in a little hospitality, and that we take this light with us as we go into the world. Um, please be with all of those who work with Open Table um, and with our missionaries in many places in this world where they are far from us. Let us be mindful of them and please strengthen them. Be with each one of us as we go into dark places, um, as we find darkness where we don't expect it. Um, let us be encouraged. Let us be a little light, a little hospitality. And thank you for this community and the ways that it helps us to see light in each other. In Jesus' name, amen.
congratulations. And Anna Marie now has a birthday coming up. Um, I'm sure her kids will be very excited. <laughs> Sophia Martin turns 12. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is 
http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.